All right? I want you to find your place in the book of Matthew. God's command for every Christian in this room. We actually, we call it the Great Commission, but it's the Great Command. And I want you to notice a truth of it tonight. 169 times in the Word of God, the word teach is used. Every one of us in this room have someone in our life who taught us and they made an impact in our life in some way. Matthew chapter 28, go to the verses that you know are the Great Commission. Go ye therefore. Now we focus in January on going. And we talk about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. We talk about the movement. But what are we to do? Go ye therefore and what? Teach. Teach. Now we know that God works through preaching, but God works through teaching. And the command is that we go and teach. Teach who? All nations. When the teaching is applied, and that's oftentimes where we break down. Teaching is more than just giving out information. Teaching is giving application. And when we go where we're supposed to go with the gospel, and we teach all nations, then it demands an action. Teach all nations, baptizing them. Now, we understand, we'll not spend a lot of time with it tonight, but we understand what the Scripture is saying is that as we go and the gospel is given, people are going to respond. Adult Sunday School class's illustration of that this morning with our missionary letter from Brother Canavan in Ireland. A young lady who had come to their church, and uh, this is the largest baptismal service that they have had since they've been in Ireland. And on March the 10th, they had, I think it was five people who were baptized into the church. Some of them came to Christ through an invitation to a children's ministry. In fact, here's one. You say, teaching doesn't work. There was a lady that brought her daughter to church, an adult daughter. And the mother had accepted Christ. She so desired that for her daughter. She's an adult. She has the right to say. She has the ability to say, I'm not going to go to church. But here's what mom said. You love children so much, I think you ought to help over at the summer camp that the church is putting on. Now the first thing that you would think, and the first thing that crosses our mind, is an unsaved person working in a summer youth camp program for the church. And of course, I do want you to know there was limitations on what she was doing. But every day for the summer camp, for six days, every day, she heard the verse, John 3, 16, taught to the children. At the end of the summer camp program, this adult lady, after being taught five days in children's ministry, not preaching and not deep theology, but in listening to lessons being presented to children at the end of the six-day Bible camp, she got saved. She asked Christ to save her. Now notice again what that command is. Go ye therefore, that's movement, and teach. That's what we're supposed to do. The teaching is going to demand a response. The response then is salvation and then baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But teaching is not finished. I don't know if you understand this tonight, but all of us need to come to this conclusion. We are never too old to learn. 
I know that there are young people here. In fact, Drew graduates from high school in a few weeks. And he is there. He has it all. He has attained. However, I know that next year he plans on attending college. And if the case runs the course like most students do, and knowing Drew as a good student, Drew should be there four years. There's others who are graduating who they're going to be students and they'll be six or seven years. But Drew should go for about four years to college. That last year, I can already tell you, the last semester of the senior year in college, students think, I've got this. I'm almost finished with being a student. Let me tell you this. Let me break the news. It's never over. The learning never ceases if you're the kind of person that you ought to be. Now, they have gone, go ye into all the world. They have taught teaching, teach all nations. There was a response and people were baptized. And then notice verse number 20 of chapter 28. Teaching them to observe. It's not finished yet. It's not just teaching them salvation, but teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded thee. That is a process of discipleship, a continuing education that moves on. And the Bible talks a lot about education tonight. I want you to find your place quickly, if you would, in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, for a few moments. I'll hit just a couple of verses along the way, and I want to give you four things that makes a teacher great. There's a lot of things that we could talk about, movement and voice, uh, fluctuation and uh, coming to a place of silence to get attention and all the techniques that Drew so aptly used tonight. A multitude of different techniques that a teacher can use. But scripturally, I want us to see four things that make a teacher great. In Deuteronomy tonight, chapter 6, I said 169 times, the word teach is used, 93 of those are in the Old Testament. You remember that when they came through and the waters had parted and, and uh, God had provided a way of escape uh, for the nation of Israel, you remember that God told them to send one man from every tribe into the, 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 into the, to the riverbed and to pick up a stone. And they brought it to a certain place and He said, put the twelve stones here for a monument or a memorial. And the purpose of that monument or memorial, God said, so that when your children ask you what this is, they're going to be taught the history of Israel. They're going to be taught the power of God. God's intervention on their behalf. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 1, if you would please. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. Teaching is going to always bring an outcome. These are the things God here in this passage of Scripture, His man is saying, these are the things that God wants you to know so that when you go into the land, the land, the place that I promised for you, when you go there, ye might do them in the land that you possess. Deuteronomy 17 and verse number 11 also talks about this. And they shall teach thee, and ye shall tell thee. I, I want you to, in the book of Psalm, we're not going to go there tonight, Psalm 20 and, and Psalm, there are 29 
of the 169 times that teach is used in the Scripture. 29 of them are in Psalm. The book of Proverbs is really a book about teaching because it's a father rehearsing to his son the wisdom that he has gained and the wisdom that he has learned and he's trying to teach him the things that he has learned so that the son doesn't make the same mistakes that the father has. So Proverbs is almost in its entirety a book of teaching. And in the New Testament, 76 of the 169 times that the word teach is used, 76 of those are in the New Testament. We read a couple of them from Matthew, but if you would, in Matthew chapter 4 tonight, Matthew and chapter number 4, the greatest teacher that ever has been is the Lord Jesus Christ. We call him the master teacher for every school teacher, for every Sunday school teacher, junior church teacher, anyone that has the privilege to stand before a group of people regardless of the age level of those people. The goal for us in a spiritual sense is to be the teacher that Christ was. In Matthew in chapter 4 and verse number 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching, Notice where there's a location in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So in this verse, it gives us the location. He goes to their synagogues and the subject matter that he's teaching, and it uses the word preaching, the gospel of the kingdom. A page forward, Matthew chapter 5, if you would please, and verse number 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so... He shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The one that not only knows the information, but applies the information to teaching and gives the application of that, acting upon that. A few more pages forward. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 1, if you would please. Matthew chapter 11 in verse number 1, we already saw that when Jesus was in Galilee, and as oftentimes He and the disciples did, the first place that He went forward in teaching, many times were the religious centers, the synagogues and the temples and the city gates, the place where the religious people gathered. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 1. When Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. This is something we need to grasp. Where are we to teach? Jesus gives us the illustration of the synagogue, but it also says that He taught in their cities. Where did He go? There's a number of places that the Scripture talks about Jesus teaching in the streets of the city. Do you remember where He met the adulterous woman? The streets of the city. You remember, I know, the lessons that He taught her, the life-changing lessons in the city streets. To a woman of ill repute. The Bible talks about him preaching and teaching at the gates of the city. The Bible talks about him going to the temple. And as those that usually teach are there, even as a child, Jesus began to ask questions and, and give answers. And they were astonished at the things that he said as he was teaching in the temple. The Bible uses this phrase, Go ye into the highways and hedges. But it doesn't just say that to us, it illustrates that to us. 
Notice Matthew chapter 11, verse number 1, and he and thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Not just in the Sunday school class, not just within the confines of the four walls of the auditorium, or the school classroom, or junior church room. Here's where we have to get busy. We have to get our teaching out of the walls of the church and back into the city streets. I wish we could grasp that tonight. Now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 23. And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? We hear a lot in our day about accreditation and about the authority by which people teach. This is basically the question that they're asking Jesus. This is the basic question that they ask the disciples of Christ. You're not teaching this by the authority of the high priest because the high priest doesn't believe what you're saying. The Sadducees haven't given you, Jesus, permission to teach, neither in the city streets nor in the synagogue because they don't believe. And neither have the Pharisees given you authority to teach. So what we're asking you, Jesus, what we're asking you, disciples, is by what authority do you teach? For every one of us that are privileged to teach the gospel of Christ, it's not by man's authority. And it's not by man's approval. It's by the authority of God Himself. Because it's God's command to us. Now if you would to 2 Timothy and chapter number 2, and then I'll give you the four marks of a great teacher. We're going to rehearse this two times tonight. Paul, the old man, is speaking to Timothy, the young man, who he has done everything that he can to pour himself into. When I see this verse and when I use those phrases, I think of our missionary tonight, Richard Hester. Richard Hester is about six foot four. He is about as thick as that sheet of paper. Now his cowboy hat that he wears is a lot bigger. Richard Hester has been a missionary and a preacher, but a teacher. I remember I must have been, I'm not telling you. I remember when Richard Hester came off the field of Lebanon. And he stood here in the pulpit and preached about what he had gone through as a missionary. He was the last one out. He finally left when the American government said, you've got to get out. He was busy pouring himself into people there. On the back pew, blown up into some of the size of the things that Drew has used here tonight, on the back pew were large pictures of his car. As they were leaving out, he said, an overwhelming feeling in me said, Richard, you better lay down. He put his foot on the brake of the car, didn't even pull off of the road, but put his foot on the brake of the car, stopped the car and laid down across the passenger seat just as a truck 
came by him and the machine guns blare and literally ripped that car in two. As a young person, and I must have been, I must have been probably 12 years old, I still tonight can remember what those pictures look like. And because I remember what those pictures look like, can I tell you this? I remember what he went through. He taught me something. Tonight, Richard is in his upper 80s. And about seven or eight years ago, he's facing the last chapters of his life. The last time he preached here, we brought a stool up for him to sit down on. We brought a machine up that must have weighed 35 or 40 pounds. It had multiple magnifying systems with it, and he laid his Bible beneath it, and he had what I call Coke bottle glasses, those glasses that are round and so thick. And he would put his face in a thing similar to what you would use at DMV to take your vision test. And he put his eyes into that just simply to be able to read the passage of Scripture that he was trying to teach. His wife has Alzheimer's now and doesn't remember a lot. Amazing thing that she does remember is when he takes her to church on Sunday when they can get there. She remembers what her ministry was in church and that was greeting visitors. She oftentimes doesn't know who he is. She's 83 years old and he said, I have to watch her close. And in church she'll get up and walk away from me and I turn around to look for her and she has found the visitors in the church that day. And she's welcoming them. She remembers her ministry. I say all that to tell you this. About eight years ago, maybe ten, Richard said, I, God has taught me too much to let it all go. And here was his prayer. Not, Lord, give me more years to do this and this and this. But, Lord, give me some time to be able to take what you have taught me and put it in print so that I can teach somebody else. And now he has generated out over the last, I guess it's been 10 years, time goes so quickly. He has gotten what he has in his head and in his heart onto paper. Into curriculums that are being used in colleges around the world. In missions training programs around the world. Right now, missionary Marvin Robertson, uh, who was missionary in Spain for over 30 years, is putting the finishing touches on all of Richard Hester's materials into the Spanish language. I say all that, and now I'll read this verse. Paul writing, and I, I picture Richard Hester writing this as well, but Paul says this to Timothy, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Here was Richard's prayer. Lord, you've taught me a lot. And the last thing I want for my life, and listen, I got a, I got a letter from him. Uh, I think it's been about two or three weeks ago. I said in my office, I was glad there was nobody there. But I sat in the office and tears rolled down my face. And my heart was broken because his letter was basically, it's done. His letter basically was saying, everything that I've wanted in life is finished. Everything that I asked God to let me teach somebody else 
I've gotten it on paper. Let me give you four marks of a great teacher and we'll go home. Number one, a great teacher has a passion for what he teaches. A great teacher has a passion for what he teaches. Now we could talk about this in educational process or we could talk about this in spiritual process. Brother Joe, who sits back here this morning, he was right around where Brother Schaefer's sitting, I think one row in front of him. Brother Joe has taught algebra now for over 30 years. He's passionate about algebra. All the high school students, put your fingers in your ears. Uh, some of you students don't have your fingers in your ears. And I'm not going to say it until you put your fingers in your ears. I don't care much about algebra at all. And that's tempered in what I want to say, but I see some kids that did not cover their ears. And so I won't say that it's of no value. He's passionate. He's passionate about math. He could have retired already. He's had kidney transplants. He has vision issues. And not only is he still teaching, at night, when it's time for a... And don't you tell him, tell him I said he was old. But when a man reaches maturity enough to retire, he ought to enjoy some time. But at night, he goes back to the school or the library and goes from person to person and says, can I help you with your math? He's passionate about what he teaches. A good teacher, a great teacher, first of all, is passionate about what they teach. Now, there are going to be different methods. There's going to be different uh, attitudes. There's going to be different techniques. And just because somebody doesn't use a technique that you do doesn't mean they're not a great teacher. But I would ask you this. How passionate are you about what you teach? And let me say this before we move to number two. Every one of you in here are teachers. I'll use Drew since he taught tonight. Outside of teaching this Bible lesson, there are people watching Drew. A senior class at school has pizza day and has for years. And on pizza day, they earn money to cover the expenses of their senior trip. I wish you could stand outside the classroom doors when the seniors go by to take in the payments and the request for pizza. I've seen it in the hallway. I've seen second grade, third grade, different classes, and a senior walks down the hallway and they go, and you don't know who you're teaching. Dean Griffith was here years ago. His mom and dad were here. Dean stopped by the other day. And we took a tour through all of the property, and he came here into the auditorium. And he said, I remember when Dr. Sumter had me come up, and he set me right here. I was five years old, and he set me right on the pulpit and had me quote scriptures. 
we walked around and he called to memory things. He called teachers names and what they taught him. He, he told me one thing. He said, you know, you were in high school. And I said, don't bring that up. And I had a bad habit in high school of breaking my nose. I had broken this. You don't get a good nose like this by just simply getting older. You have to work to get a honker like this one. I've broken this nose five times. The last time in seven places. And the longer it gets, the more pieces I can break it in. Dean stood down in the gymnasium. He said, you know, I was talking to Dad after we left, and Dean became quite the athlete. And he said, you were amazing in high school. And I sort of agree with what Mickey Creed said at a graduation here a few years ago. The longer you're out of high school, the better you are, were when you were in high school. He said, you were amazing in high school. He said, you remember when you broke your nose? And I said, well, which time? And he said, you know, I didn't know until I was late in junior high or maybe even a freshman in high school. He said, I, I thought you broke your nose when you jumped up and you hit your nose on the rim. And I just looked at him and said, Dean, you've got to be kidding. He said, no, for many, many years. I thought you jumped that high. And, and I was talking to Dad one day in the car and said, yeah, when Don Sumter jumped up and hit his nose on the rim. Now, I know my nose is big, but it isn't that big. <laughs> Drew, somebody's watching you. Jack, somebody's watching you. Not just watching us old people. And listen, old people, they're watching you too. And when we gripe and complain, we're teaching them. I said thank you to someone not too long ago for teaching me to grow old with grace. Those in this room that are maturing tonight, God help us to grow old gracefully. Because we're teaching somebody. The mark of a great teacher, number one, is they're passionate about what they teach. Number two, a great teacher has faith in whom he teaches. A great teacher has faith in whom he teaches. Do you remember when Paul was getting ready for the second missions journey? And he said to Barnabas as they were getting ready to go, and Barnabas was intent to take John Mark. And remember what the scripture said, the, there was a fight between them. And Paul said, I'm not taking John Mark. He's no good. He bailed out last time. We know that that's one of the things that Paul erred on by looking at the end of his life when he said, bring John Mark because he's profitable to me. Barnabas, on the other hand, said this. John Mark may have failed, but he's worth teaching. He may have walked away but he's worth reaching out to and picking up. And so Barnabas took John Mark. And they went a different way. Barnabas became not just an encourager but a great teacher because he had faith in the one which he was teaching. Number three, a great teacher teaches by example. 
It teaches by example. Someone said in the New Testament of Jesus when they were asked who people said that he was, and sometimes they said he's a teacher sent from God. We call him the master teacher. We see times when Jesus was teaching when he was exhausted and tired. And the crowds came in on him. People were hungry when he was teaching. They'd listened to him for a few days. And the disciples, when it, Jesus asked the question, how are we going to take care of these people? The disciples said, send them away, let them fend for themselves. And Jesus said, absolutely not. A great teacher teaches by example. I want you to, you're there in 2 Timothy. I want you to look at chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Did you realize this before we read these verses? Many people have altered their belief in creation based on what they read that was written by Charles Darwin. But in the last years of Charles Darwin's life, do you realize this? He said, what a fool I am. But look at the example he left. Secular education has greatly changed. One of the most dangerous places, and I'm not being critical tonight, I'm being truthful with you, but one of the most dangerous places for a Christian young person today is in a secular college. Because they have passionate teachers who are passionately against Christ. And when you have a teacher that is passionately against Christ, by example, in four years, they can change the mind and the heart. Charles Darwin said, all that foolishness that I wrote, at the end, he didn't even believe his own writings. But it was too late. He set the ball into motion. The Second Timothy chapter 3, let's read together if we may please. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, Paul speaking. My doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience my persecutions, my afflictions. And you'll notice that I'm adding the word my, but it's not taking liberty with the word of God because when he began, he said, Thou hast fully known my. My persecutions and afflictions which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's truth for all of us. What is Paul writing about in these verses so far to Timothy who is discouraged because of the condition of the church? Truth. Look at verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then the verse that we lifted out and read a few moments ago. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Paul's saying, my example, my example, 
Continue thou in the things that you have learned, knowing of whom. And that's why in verse 10, 11, and 12, Paul is saying, Do you, you remember these things happened to me? These were my example. Continue thou in the things which you have learned, knowing of whom. Watch my example. Can we say that tonight as adults? Watch my example. Look at my conversation. Look at my living. Look at my attitude. Look at these things as Paul mentions them. My doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my, my uh, patience. All of these things. Can we say to those that we're teaching, hey, hey, listen, continue in the things that you learn, knowing of whom you've learned them. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. Perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Now we could tonight, we're not going to, but we could go back and Deuteronomy 4, 9, Deuteronomy 6, 7, Deuteronomy 11, 19. And all of these things are talking about a great teacher teaches by example. Number four, and the last one tonight, a great teacher loves to teach. A great teacher loves to teach. He loves to have an influence. He loves to make an impact. You remember that saying about give a man a fish and you feed him today? But teach a man to fish. Teach. And we'll finish where we started. What is our command? What is our command? Go ye therefore to do what? Teach. Teach. Drew, I think, did a tremendous job tonight. I think he did a great job not just for a competition, but to teach us. I saw things tonight that he used and that he did that I'll remember. And when I hear the story of Joseph, something's going to click. I remember when Drew and how I pray for him that God would make him an effective teacher and how we ought to pray for our church and for each other because the command to each and every one of this body of believers the command is to go and to teach and now we'll have prayer a sing a verse of hymn and we go into the world what will you teach this week what kind of teacher will you be let's pray together father help us now thank you for what we've seen and heard thank you for drew's testimony thank you for uh,